and then we'll begin. Um, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your church. We want to thank you that you have not left us as orphans. And we want to thank you, Lord, that you are still and always have been since the beginning of time, making a people for yourself. Um, Father, as we were reminded the other day, thank you, Lord, that we are uh, the, the people of your hand, the sheep of your pasture. Lord, um, I pray that as we sit under your word tonight, um, as we humble ourselves before your word and submit to it, that you would teach us, Lord, um, even as we're just about to read in your word, that we do need to be taught by you. As we take your yoke upon us, Lord Jesus, we need to be taught. We need you for everything. We need you to even need you. Um, so Lord, be with us tonight. May this time be uh, encouraging for us. Uh, may uh, it be glorifying to you. And may we be equipped uh, to follow you uh, and for the works of ministry that you've called us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, thanks, for, thanks for coming out uh, tonight. It's great. This is the second one of our Equipping the Saints nights. Um, and tonight we're going to be focusing on discipleship. And we remember that the, the verses from Ephesians 4 where all this began, which is, um, and, and God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers to the church to equip the saints for the works of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Um, so this idea that we are, that God has given, given different gifts to equip the saints, that's us, the body, um, that's you guys, it's not just the pastors or the elders or any other leaders who, who do this, the works of ministry, it's everyone, that we're all involved in that, and we are equipped um, for that, and it's all for building up the body and moving towards maturity, which we're going to get into in a little while. Um, and so we're going to focus on discipleship tonight, that's the second part of our three parts of our vision for this year and next year. Um, humbly depending on Jesus together, that was prayer. Um, and John, if you were here last week, John did a great job. And, and I certainly found it quite both informative, but also challenging in some ways and felt quite convicted about certain things. It was great, some good discussion. And then tonight we're going to focus on the second part, which is to grow in him. Um, that's discipleship. And then next week we'll focus again on to boldly make him known uh, evangelism. And uh, Lauren and Alan from East are going to lead that uh, together. So I think that's going to be really good. Um, loads of, hopefully, really practical stuff um, to look forward to. Um, so as we get into thinking about discipleship tonight, Travis is going to lead, the, hopefully, the bulk of that uh, tonight. Um, I'm going to just start off by, by somewhat of a recap of, if you remember our Family Traits series back in, in uh, September, when we looked at discipleship, we looked at the really reasons for discipleship. Um, we looked at how Jesus calls disciples to, to leave everything behind and to follow him, but to learn from him and then to live out the gospel. Well, tonight I just want to kind of recap some of that reason for discipleship. And then Travis is going to come along and, 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 and look at the, the how of discipleship. How do we do discipleship? Should we all be making disciples? Should we all be disciples? All that kind of stuff and how we go about that. Um, because I think sometimes when it comes to Christianity, it comes to the Christian faith, we, we can hear certain words and we kind of just go along with it and we might not understand what the biblical reasons for that are. Um, and most of the, hopefully in our church, that's a safe place to do that. Hopefully we're not leading you in any way. But sometimes there are things out there in Christian culture that are not from the Bible. And, and you know, if you follow that, it will probably be for your detriment. Um, but discipleship most definitely is a biblical uh, concept and something that we see uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the early church and in the life of Jesus. Um, so for, for some, discipleship is, it, maybe you've experienced this, it's a course that you do, um, it's a class that you take. Uh, for others, it's just becoming a Christian and nothing more than that. Um, there are countless discipleship books and videos and courses, and maybe you've done some or read some or seen some, and those, these things can be really, really helpful um, but we want to come back to kind of basics and see what the Bible says about, um, about discipleship. After all, the Bible is our ultimate authority, as, as Barbara reminded us on Sunday. It's our ultimate authority. And we want to come back to what Scripture says. Um, the term disciple itself is used 261 times in the New Testament. Jesus called disciples to himself. Um, you'll remember how he called Peter and James and John and then the others along after that. 
Um, in, in 2 Peter 3, verse 18, uh, Peter says, we are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hebrews 6, verse 1 says, let us move beyond the elementary teaching about Christ and be taken forward into maturity. Paul says in Philippians 3, 14, uh, I press on, talking about himself, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so this kind of shows us, as we've already seen in Ephesians 4, that the, the, the Christian life is not stationary. It's not, you know, um, get saved and, and then hang around and nothing happens until Jesus comes back and we're all like zoom off to heaven or something like that. There is an upward call in our lives and the call of God in Christ Jesus. The life, of, the life in Christ is, is moving forward. It's, 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 it's dynamic. So, then we have to ask, how does this maturing and growing actually take place? And the simple answer to that in the church is discipleship. This is part of what it means to be in the family of God. It's part of what it means, life together. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, uh, great book, um, Life Together, is about community, but it's really a book about discipleship within that because to be in the Christian community is to, being to, is to disciple one another. And very simply, we see two reasons for discipleship in Scripture. We see, firstly, that all Christians are disciples of Jesus, and that screen at the back's not working, Ethan, but maybe that's okay. As long as Yo, there we go. Thank you. Um, all Christians are disciples of Jesus, and all Christians make disciples of Jesus. So these are kind of the two things we see in Scripture, that all Christians are disciples of Jesus, and all Christians make disciples of Jesus. So firstly, uh, if you have your Bible with you, uh, turn to Matthew 11. Uh, I'll get, I'm going to get someone to read this out. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Pretty familiar passage for most, I think. Um, does someone want to read out loud Matthew 11, 28 to 30? Please. Nice and loud for everyone. Any volunteers? Come on, Chad, then. Go on. Lead by example. <laughs> just, just three verses. Great. Thank you, Chad. Um, if you've been a Christian a while, you've probably heard those verses, and they are very familiar, rightly very familiar verses. And, and the, the, the focus in when we read these verses or when these verses are taught is, is very often that we come to Jesus carrying our heavy burdens of sin, and he gives us rest. And that is great, and that is good, and that is true. But something that I think is sometimes skipped over from that are uh, these words in verse 29, where he says, take... Um, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. And this word learn in the original language actually is the same root as the word disciple. Um, and so Jesus is saying that when you come to him, there's something happens where you begin to learn from him, that you become a disciple. Being a disciple of Jesus is learning from him. The, the, the idea is that, and you may remember me talking about this previously, the idea is that we, that Jesus puts his yoke on us, and then he's the one who steers us. Remember the, the, the image of the, the two oxen pulling the plow, the yoke on them, and the farmer can steer them and guide them to make nice straight furrows. Well, Jesus does that for us. And he says, take my yoke upon you. So this is a voluntary thing that he puts his, that we take his yoke upon us. And this is what Jesus does when we, um, uh, believe in him, we, we, we become Christians. And this is why Jesus says, learn from me, because being yoked to something is really being directed by it. If you're yoked to something, you're going to be going the same direction as it. If you've ever been in a three-legged race in school, primary school, it's, you know, you're, you're going to go in the direction, especially like if me and Jess are paired up, she's probably going to go in the direction I'm going in, let's be honest. But if it's two similar sized kids, they're going to lead each other in the way that they're, uh, it, it, both be influenced by each other in the way they're supposed to go. And being a disciple of Jesus is saying, well, I'm no longer going to be yoked to the world. I'm no longer going to be influenced by anything else. I'm taking the yoke of Jesus on myself. And it's actually this learning from him, taking our yoke upon him, that we do find rest for our souls 
Um, Jesus is gentle. He is lowly. He is meek. He is humble in heart. And how do we learn from him? Well, in Philippians 4, 8, 4 verses 8 to 9, uh, Peter says to the Philippian church, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So you see here, Paul is saying, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, put those things into practice. There's a copy in it that happens. And Paul could pretty confidently say, do what you've seen me doing, the things you've heard from me, the things you've received from me. And he says, think about these things, ponder them, consider them. This is how we learn from Jesus. We learn from Jesus by learning directly from him and his word, but also by, by following other Christians, older, more mature Christians that we learn from and receive from. See, something we need to think about as we consider discipleship is that uh, human beings are both influencers and they are influencees. Okay, so you are, you influence people and you're influenced by people. Think of that three-legged race again, both sides pulling in, in other directions. So Augustine talked about these two uh, competing forces uh, on us, on the life of the Christian uh, in, in his big giant book called, uh, it's actually a collection of books called The City of God. And he had this idea of that there was the city of man and the city of God. So we can throw this slide up on the screen. Um, and the city of, the, <clears throat> these are kind of the two things that are trying to influence every believer or every person really, but every believer. And you think of the city of man, he described it in these kind of broad categories. Love of, the, the love of self is the thing that, that is the most important thing. The glory of people, self-glory really, that, that all about human achievement. Um, think of the Tower of Babel or think of, um, you know, putting man on the moon. These things are, of course, are to be celebrated, but these are the pinnacle. Um, also, it's characterized by rule over others. So we all want to subjugate other people. We want to have our way. And then... Um, Human wisdom is key. I think that that's pretty obvious for all of us right now. I know conversations we have about ideas and, and uh, things that are happening all around us, that human wisdom seems to be what everyone values right now. But, but opposing that then is the city of God. And the city of God is essentially the opposite of that. The key thing is love of God and, and the glory of God. God is the highest thing. Not, not human achievement is to be valued above all, uh, the glory of God is to be valued above all. And then, of course, instead of ruling over others or subjugating others or trying to dominate others, is, is service of others. It's what we see chiefly in the life of Jesus, but of course then through the apostles and the early church of well, as, as well. Service of others. And then uh, instead of human wisdom, it's holy. He, calls it, he calls it holy wisdom. And we probably just say the scriptures, we probably say everything we learn in, in, in this book. Um, so we, we need to think of ourselves as, as we are both influencers. There are people in your life who we have influence over. Now, I can think of two people particularly. I have lots of influence over. My kids, right? And I know you don't all have kids, but uh, I have influence over my wife, my friends. I have influence over a lot of you because of whatever position God has put me in. But also, I am shaped and influenced and by the voices, by, the, by the, you know, the news stories I take in or the articles I read or the videos I watch online or whatever it may be. I am influenced and shaped by these things. And this is kind of the battle that's going on, competing ideals uh, for us. And so we need to consider some things. We need to consider, and we'll have a, in, in just a few minutes, we'll have some time to discuss these things. Who or what am I being influenced by? What kind of voices are influencing me? We are all disciples, but who are we disciples of? And then secondly, we, so that's, that's all Christians are disciples of Jesus. The second part then is that all Christians make disciples or are to make disciples. So can we turn to that other famous uh, passage in Matthew, Matthew 28? Really famous passage, but it's where we need to go if we want to talk about discipleship. Matthew 28, if someone can read uh, verses 18 to 20, someone who's not Chad this time. Matthew 28, read verses 18 to 20, please. Thanks, Steph.
Amen. Thanks, Steph. That's great. So this is Jesus, just for the quickly, very, very quickly, a bit of context, um, is Jesus is, is a, uh, after his resurrection, and he's about to ascend. He's gathered his disciples with them for his final farewell. These are his last words to them before he ascends into heaven. And he says, go and make disciples. Keep everything that I've commanded you, so obey all the commands I've given you. Um, and that includes the command to make disciples. So there's this kind of cyclical thing that happens. Cyclical is a word, right? Yeah. There's a cyclical thing that happens, which is Jesus says, when you're a Christian, make disciples. And then he says, teach those disciples to obey all my commands, which includes the command to make disciples. So all disciples, we are all disciples of Jesus, but we all make disciples. Everybody who is in Jesus is called by Jesus to make disciples of Jesus. In other words, disciples of Jesus. Thank you, Ethan. Make disciples of Jesus. So we can't, it's, it's, it's outside the nature of being a Christian to not bring other people into this, to not influence other Christians how to, li- how to, to live in the way of Jesus. Of course, and we're going to look at this uh, on Sunday in our sermon, and then next week uh, here, we're going to talk about evangelism. We're going to talk about the, the need to spread the gospel to, to those outside the church. But also, we are called to, to make lifelong follower learners of Jesus who are wholeheartedly living for him. It's more than just asking someone, and this is where I'm merging into what uh, Travis is going to come to in a minute. Um, it's, more than, it's more than just getting someone to, to meet for a coffee once a month or to uh, read a book together. It means allowing people to do what, what Paul said to the Philippians. Look at me, what you've seen and heard and received from me. Like practice these things, put these things into practice. Now, maybe it's pretty daunting for you to think of yourself as a teacher, but if you're a Christian, you are. Because remember that we're all influencers and all influenced by other people. That means there are Christians in your life, in your church, in your, in your missional community especially, that are being influenced by you. This is just human nature. Think about the way we dress. And I'm not going to call attention to anybody's fashion, but generally what happens is that you, you start to dress a little bit like the people you hang out with, right? You, you pick up on their, their dress sense, you know? That tends to happen. We all, uh, anyway, I could get myself into hot water here, so I'm going to stop, but it does happen. That we're all influenced by each other. So, as we set out on this side, uh, as we kind of set our stall for discipleship, we need to ask ourselves two questions. Who am I teaching and who am I learning from? Who am I teaching and who am I learning from? So if we think of that idea of that we're all influenced by others and influencing others, the question that we really have to ask ourselves is, how will I use my influence? How am I going to use my influence? You think of that, those two competing ideas, the, 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 the city of man and the city of God. What am I being influenced by? But, but also... What kind of influence am I putting on other people? Am I having on other people? Uh, Mark Dever, who is a, is a pastor in Washington, D.C., he wrote a book about discipleship, and he said this, being a disciple of Jesus means orienting our lives towards others just as Jesus did. Orienting our lives towards others just as Jesus did. It means laboring for the sake of others. Okay, so it's work. This love for others is at the heart of discipling. So you see how this falls in the city of God camp? This is other central. This is under the lordship of Jesus. This is not ruling over others, but but serving others. So in summary then, discipleship, we are, all Christians are disciples of Jesus, but all disciples make disciples of Jesus. So we're going to break into groups um, of about no more than four um, for 10 minutes or so. And we're just going to discuss some questions I'll put on the screen now. Great, three questions for you to discuss for the next five, six, seven, max seven minutes, and then we'll have a wee break, and then it's over to Travis. Have a discussion around this. What are the main influence, influences or, or people, sorry, the main influencing people or voices in our lives? Where do you, if you think about it, where do you really get a lot of your influences from? Maybe you need to dig a bit deeper and think about why do I hold X view about why? Why do I have the view I have about, um, I was going to go big with the situation in Israel, Gaza. Why do I have that view? Maybe, you know, what, what is influencing me? And then do you consider yourself to be an influencer? And I don't talk, I'm not talking about that, you know, taking selfies 
with a ring light kind of influencer. Maybe you are that kind of influencer. If you are, then give more money to the church. Um, but, um, <laughs> but who are the people you influence? I was able to name a few. Um, who are the people you influence? And then second, and particularly who are the, one of, who are the Christians you influence, right? And then thirdly then, why might, why might we shy away from an intentionally discipling others? You think, oh, I, I'm not sure if I can do that. Why might we, we have that reaction? So break into groups, seven minutes. We'll go to 10 past and then, um, yeah. And then, and then we'll, we'll bring it back together and we'll, we'll have a cup of tea. Sound good? Great. Groups of, of three, four, something like that. We just did a bit on kind of the why of discipleship, right? The reasons for it, why we think it's important. Um, we're going to kind of get into the how now. Um, high nigh. We're going to get into the high nigh. Brian Kai. Um, no, we are getting into how to do discipleship. I think, uh, I think, so, like Lauren said, like discipleship is a, is a thing that I did a lot of, I was part of a campus ministry as a student. It's kind of part of my story. It actually was really formative for me in terms of me growing up in the church and, and my faith being something I just kind of was participatory in to really becoming my own. Incredibly developmental. Um, it was also a little strange, though kind of the culture behind it, at least within our, the way it happened because um, it, it was like, it kind of mattered who was your discipler and who you were going to then disciple. And really, you're talking about like a second year discipling a first year. Like how much more really does that person know than a freshman or whatever? Like not much. Um, but the, the intent was good. And there was a lot of benefits from it. For me, myself, um, in terms of like, like since then to present day, I, I actually kind of hesitate to use the word discipleship too much because like Elder was saying, we're disciples of Jesus, not of like a person, right? And so when I talk about like, oh, there's this person I'm in with and I'm discipling them, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, we are. And that's what this is, sort of. And I'm gonna, my language is going to bounce back and forth. Um, but we're going to take a look um, at the example of Paul and Timothy to kind of explore the how. And, and Paul oftentimes talks about discipleship in terms of being a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. And I really love that language because I think it's more helpful for us to kind of understand what that relationship needs to look like. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, um, Paul's doing all this teaching to the Corinthian church, and at one point in there, he just kind of throws in this. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And I think this is a really concise picture of what discipleship should look like. It is an invitation for someone to imitate you as you try to follow Jesus. And so it's not, it's not a picture of, it, and therefore helping them follow Jesus. Does that make sense? And so um, we're gonna look at, uh, the example of Paul and Timothy, most of my examples are coming from second, the uh, book of 2 Timothy. Um, there are more bits and bobs um, from different passages I'm going to pull today. And I think, I mean, it might end up being a little bit frustrating for you because I'm not going to be like, hey, just read this book with someone and you've nailed it, right? It's going to be, it's a little more nuanced than that. Um, but uh, I also think it's really, really helpful um, to look at an example of what discipleship looks like well and again, be in, try to imitate it, right, um, the way Paul invites us to. So <clears throat> once upon a time, when I was in this discipleship thing in university, and I was getting ready to disciple my first person, I was like, what does this look like, and whatever, um, I took some time and just read First and Second Timothy, just like start to finish, like got a large copy of the coffee shop instead of a regular, and just sat down and went for it, and just read all of it from the perspective of like, what does Paul do with Timothy? How does Paul talk to Timothy? What, what does he, how does he engage with him? What does he say? And from that, took principles that I want to, um, wanted to then do with whoever I was going to be like meeting up with and stuff. And I'm going to basically try to do the same thing with us tonight to kind of give us an example of how. And so I've pulled a few principles from Paul's relationship with Timothy as seen mostly in First and Second Timothy um, for us, and then for us to kind of like hopefully draw some like what does this look like in my own life? All right. Um, this is the first one. I think it's already up there. You're getting ahead of me there, Ethan. Perfect. I mean, you're like pushing me on. I like it. Um, so the first idea is this. Paul is fully invested in Timothy. 
if you read 2 Timothy, and I'm also not going to put the scriptures up here. I did this intentionally because I want you to sit down at one point in time and you can read First and 2 Timothy on your own and take a look at that yourself. And I think you'd probably learn more from doing that than you're going to learn from me tonight, but hopefully you learned something. Um, so the first idea is this. Paul is fully invested in Timothy's life. If you read First and 2 Timothy, particularly 2 Timothy, the language and the way that Paul talks to Timothy is remarkable. It's different than almost every other pastoral letter he sends, including the other pastoral letters he sends to individuals. This one in particular just has a different language to it, and it's fascinating. Um, to open the book, he says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, as he normally does, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ, to Timothy, my beloved child. There's a picture of spiritual parenthood. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now look at what he says here. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Do you see the like intimacy there? He's referencing remembering a time where Timothy was crying. Right, like, think about the relationships in your life. How many people have seen you cry? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Besides every single Sunday with Andrew. Um, you don't understand what I'm saying? Like, it's, there's a level of, like, Paul and Timothy's life overlapping and a vulnerability in that where they've had these shared experiences. Not only that, Paul knows Timothy's grandmother, he knows his mother, and he knows their faith. Right? So he knows them not only like, oh, I've met them, we shook hands once, that's nice, they're pleasant people. Like, he knows their story and how they have followed Jesus. And he's encouraging Timothy in that as well. And then he says, um, for this reason I uh, remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Right? Like, this kind of commissioning moment for Timothy was something Paul participated in personally. Right? And so, when we think about the idea of discipling and us being a spiritual um, parent to someone, or having someone spiritually parent us, there needs to be a like pretty comprehensive, full life investment happening. Okay, and so sometimes I think we have a framework of discipleship looks like grabbing a coffee and like you know having a chat, working through a book together, and whatever else, and that's good, um, but it's incomplete. Okay, sometimes we have a picture of discipleship looks like accountability, right? Like, I've got a sin issue I'm trying to work through. We're meeting up. We're talking about it. I'm getting encouragement, confessing sin when it happens, whatever. And that's great. It's one-dimensional. It's, it's not the comprehensive picture of discipleship that we see in the life of Paul and Timothy, or that we see with Jesus and his disciples, by the way. Um, and so the first principle for us to take away is when, when we want to participate in discipleship with someone, we're taking on something that's, that's kind of a big deal. Like, it's a, it's a significant relationship. Um, it's significant to invite someone into your life like this. It's significant for Timothy to allow Paul in like that. And it's significant for Paul to take on a relationship like that in terms of loving and caring for Timothy. All right, second principle. Paul's discipleship of Timothy is centered on Christ and based, in, uh, based on the Word of God. So when we mentor people, we are trying to help them be better disciples of Jesus. The best way to do that is to help them see Jesus, keep their eyes focused on him, and their ears listening to him through the reading of the word. This might be obvious, right? I think we can, this, you might be like, duh, in a lot of ways. But I think sometimes discipleship can quickly become advice giving. Where it's like, oh, here's how to parent. Here's how to make it through university. Here's how to look for a job. Here's how to get on with your roommates based on my own experience and stuff. And there's a, the, it, the subtle change, the change is subtle. And often the advice can even be good and wise. But there's another picture of like, if we take the example of a roommate situation, right? Oh, when things weren't good between me and my roommate, this is how we sorted it out. Versus, okay, you and your roommate aren't getting on. What does the Bible say about that? What does forgiveness look like? How have you been reconciled with Christ? How can we be reconciled with one another, right? It's um, <laughs> uh, colloquially, it was called a Jesus juke at one point in time, um, which we can feel like is like this idea of like, ha-ha, I'm going to spiritualize everything. 
But at the same time, um, it's, it's not that. It's, it's, it's the idea that um, our eyes need to be fixed on Jesus, and the Bible really does have something to say about everything happening in our lives. And it is the authority, not me to you or someone to me, right? Um, look at the examples Paul gives in 2 Timothy here, and I'll go ahead and read these for us. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, 8 through 10, he says this to Timothy, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ before the ages began, and which now, he is, uh, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Paul is talking about not being ashamed of the gospel. He's talking about his suffering and then just like, also, by the way, Jesus, the gospel. Right? He just like goes right into it. Like, this is why it's worth it. This is why it matters. He is showing Timothy an example from his own life about why, of how he fixes his eyes on Jesus in the midst of his suffering. Um, secondly, we have this example in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy where Paul says, um, 14 through 17, there it is. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the Bible, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is, this is a famous one, right? All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We often use this, that last verse, um, talking about scripture as a means of like, this is why we teach the Bible to people, which is true. Paul's saying, scripture is this for you, for you, not for teaching to other people. Timothy is the pastor of the church at Ephesus, if you didn't know that part of his story. Um, but Paul's not saying, use the Bible for them. He's saying, use the Bible for you. Let it shape your life. Um, let it equip you, the man of God, for every good work, right? Um, so the first one, Paul is fully invested in Timothy. Secondly, Paul's discipleship of Timothy is centered on Christ and based on the word of God. Number three, Paul is Timothy's spiritual father. I've talked about that idea and has the authority to speak into Timothy's life. This is where it's helpful to think about the idea of parenting um, because when I parent my kids and speak into their lives, it's not always rebuke and discipline. I think a lot of times when we think of the idea of someone speaking into my life, it's like correction. It's like, hey, I'm seeing this sin in you. It's, it can feel, um, I don't know, behavior modification, whatever you want to call it, like a lot of someone pointing out your shortcomings and faults and trying to help you in those, right? Um, and that's certainly a part of parenting. But um, that is a small part, Right? Um, in fact, those things should be minimal and only used when necessary. Rather, speaking into someone's life looks a whole lot like more encouragement and understanding and insight into the, who that person is um, and insight into the world around them. So, for instance, and I'm really bad at this as a parent, so this is not like a great example of this, but with my kids, right, I can be like, hey, we don't hit people. Stop hitting. Don't do it. I've had that conversation a hundred times in the last two weeks, right? Um, it's been especially bad in our household, and I cannot comprehend it. However, um, there's the version of just like, don't do it, stop that. Or there's the version of like, hey, here's why this is a problem, right? Here's how this affects other people. Uh, here's how this is affecting you. Instead of you being able to be kind to people, it, you know, hitting violence, even playfully, is, is actually causing you to break relationships. You know, like, and obviously, at a certain age, kids need to be told no, and that's all they can really kind of grasp. But as, they, as you continue to parent your child into adolescence and into young adulthood, right, the comprehension of who they are as a person um, and, who, and the world around them, those conversations become, you know, more, not complex, uh, complete, maybe a better word, right? more comprehensive, right? The conversation about why my kid is hitting when he's five changes when they're 12 or 15. I'm like, hey, I think we have anger issues here that we need to start talking about, right? Um, why, why do these things set you off? How, how do we handle that? Um, 
and all that kind of stuff. Here's, here's some examples um, from Paul and Timothy for us to give. Hold on. Taking notes. Oh, yes. Paul does this with Timothy too. He encourages him in his charge as a pastor and in his personal faith in Jesus. He charges him to not allow people to disregard him for his youth. He speaks into Timothy's character. He highlights the dangers of the world around him and the threats to himself and to the church from both inside the church and from the culture around him. So looking at these passages, here's some examples of that. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, 12-16, it says this, Let no one despise you for your youth. Timothy was a pastor of the church in Ephesus and was a young guy. Um, I don't know what his age actually was, but Paul's addressing it. There was clearly a problem. People were like, who are you to talk to us? You're a kid, or you're barely a grown-up. Like, you don't have the miles on your tires to be able to talk to us about how we ought to be living our lives, right? And so Paul is encouraging him, like, hey, don't let them do that to you. Like, God's called you to this. Um, uh, he's put you in this position. Um, you've, the laying on of hands, it talks a lot about how people have spoken into Timothy's life that he is where he ought to be um, and is encouraging him to, like, be confident even though he's young, right? Uh, let no one despise you for your youth. Let uh, set the believers an example in your speech, conduct, love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, here's that part, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Here's another example. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, 11 through 12 and 20 through 21. But as for you, O man of God, what an encouraging thing to say to a young person, by the way. Flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life in which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2-26. So flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call, uh, who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolishness, ignorant controversies. You know they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting the opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do as well. And then finally in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 3 through 5, it says this, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Uh, it's here, by the way. Um, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. You see how Paul is speaking into Timothy's life, character, ministry, right? And it's not rebuke, but rebuke is in there, right? He's letting people, like, condemn him for his youth. He's like, don't let him do that. Like, don't let it happen, right? But it's, it's, it's positive, it's encouraging, right? And so when we talk about the idea of discipleship looking like a spiritual father with the authority, or mother with the authority to speak into your life, um, or you being that person to someone else, like, that's the posture to take. Fourthly, Paul is not trying to turn Timothy into a miniature version of himself. Rather, he is trying to make Timothy into the person God wants him to be. And this one I don't have a scripture for because it's not explicitly in there. But there is a reality that Paul is a missionary and a church planter, and Timothy is not. And so, in some ways, we think about um, discipleship specifically um, when we're lay people, right, when we're not actually in ministry, of like, what do I have to say to this person? Because I don't do this full-time. I'm not a professional. I haven't you know, mastered the art of following Jesus or whatever you want to say. And the reality is, that's fine because that's not the point. Like, when you are using the influence Andrew was talking about um, to, to help someone become who's God, who God has made them to be, like, you don't have to worry about that. Like, I'm not trying to make people I'm talking to versions of myself, right? Um, we'll go back to, this, to the parenthood thing, right? 
Connor and Callum are not going to be me. Like, I already see that they're not going to be me, and that's good um, for Lauren. Um, there's, there's enough of me. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they, there's, there's an individuality to them, and Paul recognizes this with Timothy. Paul isn't trying, Paul's trying to help Timothy be the person God's called him to be and to do and fulfill the calling God has called Timothy to, which is different than Paul, from Paul's, right? And so I think you see this most clearly in the idea when Paul encourages Timothy to not be timid, right? Um, God's not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline, right? The idea that um, he's encouraging him in his just like, oh, I'm just scared all the time about doing what's, what I've got to do. Um, and Paul, as we can often see through his life in the book of Acts, as recorded in the book of Acts and through his epistles, doesn't seem to have a boldness problem the way Timothy does, right? Um, and so Paul's trying to encourage him in that. Um, but at the same time, he's not saying like, hey, it's not working out in Ephesus, that's fine, pick up, go somewhere else, which is what Paul did. Like, he'd go somewhere, the church isn't going to, it's not happening, he's like, okay, well, I'll go over here, then try to plant over here, right? Um, but like, Timothy's charge is to be there, to shepherd, to grow it, um, to like, shepherd the church in this place for really his entire life. And so that's what Paul's encouraging Timothy to do. Um, and so that's the fourth thing. We're, your job as a discipler or as a spiritual parent is to try to make the person you are influencing into the person God wants them to be, right? Um, and then finally, is this finally? Nope, two more. Um, almost finally. And almost finally, um, we see this. Paul is humble and vulnerable with Timothy, right? And so this isn't one directional, right? Paul also invites Timothy into his own life. Um, he takes, has a posture of humility. He is vulnerable. He talks a lot um, in First and in Second Timothy about just what he's struggling with and what's been difficult about his life and ministry and what he's finding hard and how he's coping with it, right? Um, and this one, I think, is actually, I don't want to, for time, I'm going to probably skip the passages here because um, I want to give us time to be able to discuss and stuff. Um, but this, but I don't want us to miss the importance of this one, because I think a lot more is learned by being able to be in someone, like whoever influences you, right, to be in their life and to see them live their life than can ever happen when they're telling you what to do or when they're telling you what they're learned or whatever else. I'll give an example, right? Um, Lauren and I have a pretty open-door policy in our house, um, if you've ever been to our house and you've usually just seen the state of it, you know that we do our best, but like we don't have this like idea like, oh, people are going to see that our house is messy sometimes or that our kids are batched crazy sometimes or whatever. You know, like we're like, fine. that's like, hey, this is what our life is. And if you want to come on into it, go on into it kind of thing. But the reason why I think that's helpful and important is because like I think I want people to see like, hey, this is. This is how we live. This is how we love one another. This is how we love our kids. Um, and to get a picture of that. Uh, I, I've had people like that in my own life um, where that were just like very open door, like, hey, come on over. Yeah, we've got dinners happening, whatever else, but you're welcome to come on by. And once the kids go to bed, we'll chat about whatever or just, you know, watch whatever sporting event. Or it was just very like, just come be in our lives. And I've learned so much from them, not with any intention of them trying to teach me anything, but like, their kids are just losing their mind, and so they're like trying to parent them, and I'm just, I'm observing, I'm not even trying to, but I'm observing them, right, um, as a young adult, and seeing the way that they sometimes are incredibly gracious and kind and patient, whatever else, or when they're not, and then they'd be like, and then watch them apologize to their, you know, four-year-old, and then put them bed, and they come, then come back in the room and be like, guys, I'm really sorry about that. That was, sin you know, in the confess that sin to me as just the person that was in the house when it happened. You know, like, there's so much more to be learned from those situations when people are in your life like that um, than kind of in the whole, like, this is how this should go as a parent or as whatever, or, you know, this is how you should read the Bible. Whereas when you sit down with someone, they're like, this is what I'm seeing, these are the questions I've had, and this is something I've still been wrestling with. Um, and so, yeah, if you are going to disciple someone, I really encourage you to be humble and vulnerable and to bring people into your life like that. And if you are looking for someone to like learn from or to parent you, um, like I would put a high value on someone who would welcome you in like that, right? 
Um, now, finally, um, Paul tells Timothy to reinvest in others. Um, Paul does not want Timothy to be a consumer um, being constantly poured into but never pouring out into other people. Paul invests in Timothy so that Timothy may invest in others. In 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, um, Paul says this, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have learned from me in the presence of your witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Paul is trying to give Timothy this picture that my investment in you is for you to invest in other people who will also be investors in other people, right? Um, the idea is like this, this is like the, it's generational. It's the way a family works, right? Like fa fathers and mothers have kids who become fathers and mothers who have kids who become fathers and mothers who have kids. Like that's just how the church has worked since Jesus. And so that's what Paul's trying to like put into Timothy is like, hey, parent, future parents, right? Spiritually. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, this is a reference not from Timothy, but Paul also says this, um, and I wrote as I did so that when I came I might not suffer pain from those who should uh, have made me rejoice, but I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be the, uh, would be the joy of you all. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish. Um, oh, this is a passage that I've got wrong in my notes. Please disregard. Um, 2 Timothy 2, 1-2 is the one to focus on that, right? Uh, it, I just think it's a really good picture, right? Um, of, of, what it, of what discipleship means, right? I think most of us, as we're growing up in Christian maturity, we should have people, including Andrew, as a pastor of this church, myself as an elder, um, right? Like, who, like Barbara, who has lived more life than I have, right? Yes, yeah, the mo probably everyone in this room, like, needs people parenting still, investing in us, and we also ought to be investing in other people. And if you're, like, a brand-new believer, like, you probably need, like, certainly need someone investing in you, but even so, like, like if the day hasn't come yet, it's going to come soon where even what little you know and how shortly you follow Jesus, you will be able to invest in other people, right? Like, we've got kids in Village Kids who some know Jesus and some still don't, who even if you've been a Christian for six months, you can like disciple and invest in and share what you're learning with them, right? Um, the final idea is this, um, and this is a kind of a picture of a how that's just really important. I didn't draw it from um, First and Second Timothy because we don't really know anything about it, but it's the idea of selection, right? Who should I disciple and who should disciple me and how do we sort that out? Um, and the short answer is, I don't know, do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, right, on the one hand, but on the other hand, here's what to be looking for, right? For someone, um, if you're looking to invest, right, or to parent somebody else, or someone that you were like, I'd love to kind of really spend some time with you and invest in you and kind of feel, hear where you're at in your own walk with Jesus and do what I can to kind of help you with that, here's, something to be, here's some things to be looking for in a person like that. Firstly, you want to look for someone who obviously knows Jesus and wants to love and serve him. Um, that might be obvious, but sometimes it's worth stating the obvious. It's worth investing in someone who knows Jesus and wants to know him better. Um, if you invest in someone who knows Jesus and doesn't care to know him better, it's going to be frustrating. And obviously, if you're trying to invest in someone who doesn't know Jesus, that's also going to be kind of a frustrating experience. Um, so that's number one. Number two is this. You want to be discipling someone who is teachable. Who, um, and who has, uh, like, is humble enough to be able to kind of hear what you have to say, right? Um, and so this idea of humility and teachability is pretty important. Um, there's nothing more frustrating than, um, well, I'll, give, I'll just keep going to this parenting example. There's nothing more frustrating than trying to teach your kids when they're not willing to learn and listen, right? Um, and so, yeah, Elder and I were talking during the break about what discipleship in our church should look like, potentially. And we thought, we were like, well, should we have, like, structures and, like, you know, me and you start meeting with people and then, like, hopefully they start meeting with people and something like that. And on the one hand, yes, sure, that might be a good idea. On the other hand, I think it would be really cool in our church if a lot of us take on the position of, like, I want to be learners. Like, I want to look at people and be like, man, I love the way they read Scripture, and can we meet up and can we just like read the Bible together? I'd love to see how you do 
and how you think and how, what questions you're asking and how you learn, right? Um, I love the way they pray. I've been coming to like fortnightly prayer and just, I don't know what it is about the way you talk to God, but I don't talk to God like that. And I feel like I don't know him like that. So like, can we like, can we like pray together or meet up or start talking about that or whatever, right? Um, I love the way you parent. I love the look of your marriage, right? Um, I, I, I'm young and single and you're young and single and I'm having a hard time with that and you seem to be doing okay with that. Maybe you're not, maybe you are, but can we talk about that, right? Like the, the, the attitude of being a learner and that kind of humility I think is really going to be helpful in terms of discipleship in our church. Um, and, and yeah, when our church is full of learners, they'll find teachers, um, if that makes any sense. So that's the second one. The third one is we, you want to invest in someone who's going to invest in other people. Um, you want to find someone who's going to want to then invest in other people, to tell them about Jesus, to help them in their walks with God um, as, as they carry along with that. Steph, if I can brag on you for a second, Steph is a great example of this because I've known Steph since she came to know Jesus. Um, sorry, I didn't tell you I was going to call you out. But it's happening. Um, but I've seen her like, come to Jesus. I've seen her learn um, from people like Lauren, um, just from other people in general, just come to our MC and asking questions of just whoever was in the room and like, just like, eating it up. And now being in a place where you're, you spend time with people like Harmony, right, who's a brand new believer, and you're like, man, I remember when I was too. And you're just like, I just get to see you do the reinvestment thing, and it's been really, really encouraging. So, you know, teacher's pet right now. But I, like, I think that's a really good thing. Um, so, yeah, I don't know where I'm at on time because the clock wasn't running too long. Okay. So I don't know how long that has been. It doesn't matter anymore. We're here. Anyway, all right. Um, I've got a couple questions for us to discuss um, with this, but before we do, um, I just want us to, I wanted to kind of like, if there's people like, hey, you mentioned this, I'm confused, or this wasn't very clear, or you were talking too fast and I couldn't understand what you were saying, because um, I do do that sometimes. Uh, I do want like to field any questions if people kind of have them, because um, I think sometimes those are just easier than, yeah, whatever, but... And then we'll break off and discuss these things. I have a question. 